1: Round 17 to 13 winners over the Giants in preseason game number two. We are going to do some takeaways from this football game. And what I just said is the least of uh, the takeaways from this game, the fact that the Browns won, but let's get to it. Uh, Mary Kay, why don't you start? Biggest takeaway from this football game.
2: You know, the biggest takeaway for me is the fact that with Greedy Williams leaving this game with a groin injury in my mind, that really solidifies the competition Uh, Greg Newsome has basically nailed the starting cornerback job opposite Denzel Ward. Uh, Now, maybe Greedy can get back within a few days. Maybe he can get back within a week. We're not really sure yet. But the point is, uh, he is now going to fall behind in this competition with Greg Newsome. Greg already had a leg up in the competition to begin with. Greedy was going to be coming from behind. You always, almost always start your first round picks, most of the time right from the start. So in my mind, this clinches it for me that Greg Newsom is going to be the starting cornerback opposite Denzel Ward against the Kansas city chiefs on September 12th.
0: Go ahead. Yeah. And it always lingered in the back of my mind that this would be how the battle ended simply whoever is the last corner standing, if you will, will get the spot. And that's what it seems like it's come down to. And it's, a bummer for greedy anyway. Cause he had a couple of nice practices there back to back against New York. And again, you just, whether it's Grant Delpit or greedy Williams, you keep dealing with these soft tissue injuries and it, look, he's, he'll be back. He's going to work through this, but when you miss reps on those field, it, it, it's, it's like losing a week of practice and you feel just as a player that you have to work twice as hard to get back to where you were when that injury occurred. So, again, I thought this was a possibility just with the wear and tear of camp and, and the Browns continue just to have the guys get hurt, especially on the defense.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is how a lot of positions end up getting determined, too. There's, there's a guy who misses a week of practice, and it's close to the season, and, you know, you need healthy bodies. Um, and we saw that with the receiver uh, position over the last couple of years. Guys just kind of falling off because they missed time. And I know the guys kind of swoop in and, and take that. Not that Greg Newsom definitely needed help uh, from injury to, to claim that spot, but yeah, it does seem like a, a, you, you finally have answers at that spot, I guess, not the way you wanted to, but you know, it, it's Greg Newsom. I think.
1: I thought the interesting thing today with Greg too, is we got to see him play uh, nickel. You know, we, we saw him start on the outside with greedy and then after Troy Hill, was done well into the second quarter after Troy Hill was done when they were going to nickel, it was Craig Newsom moving to the inside. He stayed outside when they were in base, but then he moved to the inside and Kevin Stefanski actually pointed that out uh, after the game too. He singled that out to get him work inside. And that and it, it was something I've kind of been keeping an eye on. I asked Joe Woods about it back at the end of mini camp, uh, if it was something they thought he could do. And so to see them working him inside, it just kind of tells you that there's going to be some opportunities still for greedy even if Greg Newsom wins that job that, you know, you can have both him and Troy Hill on the field together playing it based on how many receivers are out there. There's a lot of different things you can do if this defensive coordinator can trust Newsom to play on the inside.
2: Yeah. Really smart for them to work uh, Greg Newsom in there, in the slot and cross train him there. At times I wondered if it wasn't putting a little bit too much on his plate when they're trying to get him ready to start on the outside. He only started or played 17 games at Northwestern. Think about that. He just became old enough to buy a beer in May. You know, I mean, this is a young man uh, that doesn't have a whole lot of experience. So at times I thought, you know, are they spreading him a little bit thin that way? But I can see the wisdom in it because if you decide that your three best cornerbacks just so happen to be uh, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams and Greg Newsom. now you can find a way to get the three of them on the field at the same time in sub packages and different things. Uh, there's They're going to be playing a lot of dime. They're going to be playing a lot of big nickel and, and different formations. This just gives you a chance to get your best guys on the field. And of course, if Troy Hill gets injured, you absolutely need to have a really good nickel cornerback. So there's plenty of wisdom in it.
0: Yeah, the versatility is a necessity for Greg Newsom, and I know Brown fans must get sick of hearing this. Denzel Ward misses four games a year. It's just what happens. He's hurt right now, obviously expected to be fine for Kansas City, but you, you know you got to probably bake in some missed time from Denzel. It would mean Greedy Williams is going to get a shot, and Greg needs to be ready and able to play wherever he's needed because that's what a first round quarterback cornerback has those expectations. <laughs> Yeah, and during uh, during the joint practices, they had an undrafted
3: free agent rookie uh, manning the slot often because he had Troy Hill on the outside. MJ Stewart's been out too. Uh, so, you know, those, those injuries down the depth chart and people start moving up. And, yeah, you need, you need other options there, I think, uh, at
1: slot for sure. And I'm, I know it's still a small sample size, Mary Kay, but we, we've learned that this coaching staff isn't going to throw too much at guys if they don't think they can handle it.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's one thing that we have learned about Joe Woods so far. I think, and it is, and that is he does value veteran experience. I actually think that he really wanted to start Mac Wilson over Jeremiah Osu Koromoa against the Chiefs. I don't know if it's going to work out that way now, unless Mac really comes back strong from his shoulder injury. Because once again. Here you have another injury, and by default, a player kind of moves up a little bit uh, because of that, because of not only one injury, but a couple of injuries, actually. Uh, there were times where Jacob Phillips was behind Mac Wilson as second-team Will. So uh, so Jeremiah might actually end up uh, – he might end up starting to. I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, but I'm just wondering, you know, what you guys think. Let's say Greg Newsom. Is the starting cornerback against the Chiefs? How does everybody feel about that? Is he ready for this opportunity? Is he ready for the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardman and Travis Kelsey? What do you guys think?
1: Can I can I steal one of your lines, Mary Kay? This to me, this is the NFL. Put on your big boy pants. You know, you're going to go out there. You're going to play against the Chiefs. You were the number 26 overall pick. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it might not go great. Uh, you know, he, he might make some mistakes here and there, but honestly, like you're an NFL player. Uh, I mean, if to me, if you have to protect someone that, that makes me, that, that worries me more than him going out there against Kansas city. And maybe, you know, we see him get beat a couple times. I'm okay with that. Uh, but I, I would be nervous if you're, if you really have to put on kid gloves with the guy that you took in the first round.
0: Yeah, I hear that. And it's really, it's just going to be sink or swim for Greg Newsom, and not in a way that if he sinks, he's going to be pulled off the field. I mean, this guy is going to be out there and he'll take his lumps, I'm sure. And when you think about like Mary Kay said, just turning 21, it's almost maybe a bacon advantage that he's starting against Kansas city and Patrick Holmes. Cause he just won't know any better. I mean, you are just going to have trial by fire there and, you know, that young swagger, the naive, naiveness of it all, perhaps can play to his favor uh, rather than, I don't know, getting a halfway through the season and, you know, you, just the wear and tear of the year. Like it's going to be his first pro game against Patrick Mahomes. You, you couldn't ask for a harder assignment, but he's a confident, poised young man. You, you, I have a you know real feeling he's just going to take it in stride and, and be confident in his technique and his skill set because he won't know any better anyway. Yeah, we're not talking about a
3: fifth-round draft pick here that they have to stick out there because, you know, they have no other options. He was a first-round pick, and rookie corners start every year (laughs) across the league, and, yeah, playing the Chiefs right off the bat is going to be an eye-opening experience, I'm sure, but, you know, I think it'll be good to get that out of the way and then kind of settle in because after that game, uh, they do have, uh, I guess, some – some easier opponents, I guess, to, to deal with. So you get through that game and you get that in your back pocket and that could be good for him. Mary Kate, what about you?
2: Well, you know what? Um, here's what I think. I think that some of those kinks that he'll work out early on, it's just the, be- the best thing for him, that baptism by fire. It really is. Because then when you get into November and December and you need to be playing your best ball and you might even see those Kansas City Chiefs again. You are going to know what to expect. You're going to be so much better for it. It's like throwing a quarterback in there before he's ready. There really is only one way to learn how to play the game at the pro level, and that is to play the game at the pro level. So, even though, again, it might not be perfect at times and there will be growing pains, it still is, uh, it, it probably still is the right thing to do. I don't think Greedy's going to be ready. Uh, I don't really see another alternative right now. I think it's like you said, Dan, he's got to put on the big boy pants and go.
0: And one more thing on this, it's, we should keep in mind, you know, Joe Woods understands what he's dealing with as well. I would expect a lot of John Johnson standing behind wherever side of the field, Greg Newsom's on whether it's Tyreek over there, Tyreek Hill or not, they're going to have safety help for Greg Newsom often. At least, you know, I'd be pretty surprised if you're going to ask, uh, a first round rookie regardless of where you're picked to go out there one on one and see how it goes you know they're gonna they're gonna plan it they're gonna scheme it up and protect him in a way but he's gonna have to go out there and play either way hey real quick what
3: what kind of pants are big boy pants are they like quarterized or are we talking khakis like i just want to make sure i understand what big boy pants are
2: not khakis not cargos no no uh-uh. i i would think um in this case, I would go with. Uh, it's
1: like the the step up from like, the pull ups to like. <laughs> see, very, ever, comes after the pull ups.
2: No, that's great. I think I'd go some, some ripped jeans here. How about you, Ellis?
0: I'm a Lululemon dress pants type of person. You know, those those would be the big boy pants for me.
1: I only own like three pairs of pants, so <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
0: they're all big boy pants. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> All
3: right, Scott, what have you got as a takeaway? Uh, man, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Dimitri Felton and Ernest Johnson. I was really looking forward to see Felton in the backfield and, uh, you know, actually just focusing on that because he was pretty much, you know, nonstop in the slot against the Jaguars. Um, and I'm not sure how I feel about him in the backfield after watching that. He, like, eight carries, what was it, 25 yards. Get um, get a long of nine yards. I just – I come away from this thinking like Dernus Johnson, if you, if you want a guy who can, who can get snaps, like say if, if Chubb or, or Kareem Hunt is not available and you need someone else to take up the slack in the backfield is a right now. I'm, I like Dernus Johnson better than Felton. Um, clearly Felton can do more, but if he's mostly, if that doing more just, you know, involves, the passing game and splitting him out wide, well then, just, I mean, he'd make him a receiver, right? I, I'm just not sure how I feel about Demetrius Felton in the backfield after watching today.
1: So could this be a situation where, like, if, like, Nick Chubb gets hurt, Dearness John, I guess it would be Kareem Lump, but, like, if they needed somebody to, to be their primary runner, it would be like Dearness Johnson, and Demetrius Felton is always just kind of this – I don't want to say gimmicky, but he's always kind of this luxury item, as you like to say, Ellis, for Kevin Stefanski, that can just get a handful of plays every week where a defense has to say, oh, okay, 25's out there. We've got to figure out what to do with him.
0: For this year, yeah. That seems like yeah. what his role is shaping in to be. You, of course, hope that can expand as the year goes on. And when we're talking roster decisions, like, of course, we, we talked on the pod Thursday, like, Demetri is, is going to make this roster – But I do wonder with him on the same light that Scott's saying about him as a running back, like even as a returner, like he looked electric at times, but then it's like, I don't know, is Jojo Natson just a a bit more athletic and is Dear Johnson just a slightly better running back? And is he the fourth best slot receiver on this team? It's just like, what is he right now? And that's what's hard to define. Like he's like the third or fourth best at a lot of different spots but so as right now doesn't have anything held down.
2: Yeah. And you know what? Um, I think in, sometimes in these games, I think it's a little difficult to really get the best evaluation that you can possibly get because you're, you're not running behind Joel Batonio, you know, you're not running behind the first team line. And again, you're not going up against first team guys either. So it's a little bit difficult. I would have to think uh, that he would have, a lot more success running the ball against the Browns first team line than some of the stuff that we are going to see in the preseason games. Cause we saw some good stuff this week. We really did. I mean, he, the moment just didn't look too big for him. Uh, the difficulty is going to be finding reps for him. Actually the difficulty is going to be finding reps for everybody. Um, but particularly when you get to a younger guy like that, that would potentially be your, third running back, your, you know, fifth, sixth receiver, it might be a little tricky, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still think he's, he's for sure going to make the roster. That That's not in question whatsoever. It's just a matter of how and where he'll fit.
3: Yeah. I, I, real quick. I do agree that we saw, I think a better version of him in the backfield during those joint practices. He seemed like get outside and just have yeah. more room to run when he was getting those first team reps. But I think, Today, I'll probably come away thinking I'm more likely if I'm doing a 53 man prediction, I'm probably more likely to keep Felton and Ernest Johnson today, as opposed to, you know, putting Felton in that number three spot and, and not keeping Ernest Johnson.
1: Yeah, I think the issue you come across with Felton is like, so with Kareem Hunt, if I'm a defensive coordinator, and I see Kareem Hunt come on the field, I still have to view him as a running back. I still have to probably have a linebacker on the field because Kareem Hunt's on the field. I'm curious to see if defensive coordinators, when they see Demetri Felton come out, say, I know he might line up as a running back, but we're going to treat him as a wide receiver. So we're we're going to answer when we see Felton come out, we're going to answer with a nickel package, or we're going to answer with more DBs on the field. Because he smoked a linebacker today. And, you know, this is a situation where the Giants aren't preparing to play the Browns. When a defensive coordinator spends a week getting ready, to face the Browns, how are they going to view Demetri Felton? And, and I think that's going to be really interesting to see. I liked what I saw from Felton today. I, I thought he was, I thought he was good. I thought we saw him like Scott said during the week, I thought we got to see a little bit of how he fits in this offense, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if we have all the answers on how he's going to be used when the real, when the real games start.
2: You know, I, I like the fact that he's one of those guys that can help create that ambiguity between the run and the pass, which That's what Kevin Stefanski hangs his hat on is trying to make sure that you don't really know pre-snap what the heck is going on. And I like the fact that he can do that. And I would be very intrigued by some formations that include Dimitri Felton and Kareem Hunt and some motion and some trickery where you don't know what either of those guys might potentially do whether it be running the ball, catching the ball, or whatever the case may be. I feel like there, there's something there that I would like to explore and see. I don't know if it'll happen. I wanted, I thought that Kareem and Nick on the field together more last year would have been intriguing. So what do I know? But I, I would like to see, you know, hey, why not put Nick, Kareem, and Demetri Felton occasionally on the field together and really confuse the heck out of the defense.
0: It's possible. And that then would make Dimitri more of the wide receiver version of himself Uh, talking about him as a running back or projecting him forward. Mary Kay, I thought you made a good point about running behind the first offensive line, which then made me think I want to see him out there with Baker Mayfield too, and actually having to be in pass pro, you know, because in these preseason games, they're not doing anything there. It's verticals. It's quick game. It's stick route. It's slant. There's no deep game concepts really, being called in these situations and i and i'm curious how he would just handle baker's calls baker's, baker's protection and then of course having to protect baker mayfield as well
1: oh, and and i think baker hits that throw right that would have been a 30-yard touchdown and then we're really talking about Demetric felton as as this kind of like whoa this guy's unbelievable hey it's dan and before we get back to the podcast let me tell you about our virtual orange and brown season kickoff event taking place on wednesday september 1st from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. You can join Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patzko, Ellis Williams, Doug LaMaurice, Terry Pluto, and me. We'll have in-depth discussions on the team, analysis, a live auction, and even some surprise cameos. Tickets for the event are free, and they can be reserved through the link in the bio of this podcast, or the description of this podcast, I should say. There's also a VIP experience. Enter for a chance to win tickets to a special smaller group VIP experience with Browns alumni players and Cleveland.com sportswriters. There's only 150 tickets available for this special experience. So to enter the ticket sweepstakes, again, go to that link in the description of this podcast to enter. Again, that's our Orange and Brown virtual season kickoff event on Wednesday, September 1st from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Ellis, what have you got for us?
0: It is just becoming very clear that come August 31st, GM Andrew Barry is going to have a lot of tough decisions to make. Uh, Getting this roster down to 53, and look, it's a great problem to have. You have too much talent. But, I mean, from Davion Davis, Cordero Hodge, Jojo Natson, and a lot of this is on offense because the defense is so banged up. Uh, Lineman, you know, Michael Dunn, it's like – there's just going to hit a point where they the Browns are going to have to cut bait with some talented players and that hasn't been the case for a long time in this area and it's a again a good problem to have but it's tough because I don't really know how you sort out the Jojo Natson Cordell Hodge now David, David Davis side of this I mean that young man is making plays he's attacking the football and he looks nice is that a guy you can hope out of your practice squad. I, I'm not sure he, if he keeps making plays on the football like that. It's just one more decision that, again, it's a luxury of riches. But you wonder if they would have at, rather allocate some of these resources now into drafting edge rushers. And I'm going to be on that throughout this season because I'm just there's just a, clearly a backup of receivers and linebackers on this team, healthy or not. And today I noticed. Not much of a pass rush, of course, without Miles Garrett and, and Jaden and Connie playing. But if that becomes an issue, we're going to look at these backed up positions. And they were getting they were cutting pretty talented players when they could have had some easier decisions to make had they addressed pass rusher with the younger talent.
2: Go ahead, Mary Kay. All right, you know, I was going to say I, I hear exactly I hear exactly what you're saying, Ellis, and I do think that they have. Some really tough decisions coming up. Some of the toughest decisions I see will come at like defensive tackle. They've got some really good, intriguing defensive tackles. And I I often wonder when I look out there, how are you going to keep, you know, Marvin Wilson and Malik Jackson and Tommy Togi and Jordan Elliott and Andrew Billings? and You know, I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of bodies there. Uh, Sheldon Day. You know, I mean, there, there are some really, really good guys there. So tough decisions are coming up. As far as the pass rush is concerned, there is, there is one thing that I, even though they don't have TAC right now, TAC is coming back, okay? TAC McKinley is going to be back on this football team. And I think that could possibly be sooner than later. So that's going to help them. And then uh, you've got interior pass rush coming this year. And that's really also going to help them. If they don't get enough of it from Malik Jackson, which I think they'll get a lot, they can bounce Miles inside or they can bounce Jadavian inside. And then you've also got another element uh, this year in terms of the blitz. You've got the best blitzer on the team in JOK. So you're going to get plenty of pressure from him. And I think you're going to get it from the defensive backs as well. I think you're going to see a lot of that coming from, from Ronnie. And, and John as well. So I don't, I actually don't think that pass rush is going to be a problem when you've got Miles, Jadavian, Malik, Tack, JOK, and some of the other guys that are going to blitz. Um, it, it's an area that it seems a little thin right now because we haven't seen Tack out there. We haven't seen Jadavian out there. We haven't seen Miles out there for a long time. But I think that Patrick Mahomes, who is going to have potentially three offensive linemen on the right side of the line that have never taken a snap in an NFL game yet. I think he's going to be on the run and I think he's going to be trying to get that ball out of his hand with his hair on fire.
3: It was nice to see the middle of the defensive line get pressure today. I think, uh, that two sacks I think Elliot and McDowell, they both had a couple of quarterback hits tackles for loss. Sheldon day got in there for a big stop. Um, you know, those are guys who could all figure into that rotation. We're not really sure how it's going to look. They've they've really been top heavy the last couple of years here. Uh, with defensive tackle, it just you just get the feeling like it's going to be more of a committee type approach, especially with how much you see Day in there and Andrew Billings kind of rotating out. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, we're 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 talking about you know the fourth tight end and the third safety here, and you know depth that on the interior of the line and the backup. Edge rushers and you know, this is like just a new world. You're right, Ellis. It's it's going to be tough decisions, but yeah. you know we're we're talking about the uh, you know Johnny Stanton getting reps at tight end and and what that could mean for a, a position that's probably going to get out of the field like maybe maybe three or four snaps a game if that. I mean Steven Carlson didn't really get much action last year, and when he did, it was pretty much just uh, as a blocker. So uh, yeah, they're tough decisions, but none of these decisions outside of maybe uh, cornerback is, are really, you know, your frontline guys. So that's a good place to be.
1: Yeah. There, there have been years where Davion Davis would have been like your number two wide receiver, which, yeah. you know, you're going three and 13 that year, but you know, I I'm actually a little curious if like, how much are we going to see Davion Davis on Sunday night against the Falcons? Do the Browns protect him a little bit? Maybe they don't want him to go out there and put on a show on Sunday night football in the very last preseason game of the NFL year. We've seen teams do that before where, you know, if he goes out and has a huge game against the Falcons, you're probably not getting him through waivers.
0: And if they really like him. Right. And if you put him out there, he's going to make these plays. You are seeing a young man who just has a natural ability to find the football. He's got a lot more ups or a boom jumping ability than I expected. It's impressive. So if you put him out there in a large role, like you're saying, Dan, he's going to flash again.
2: Yeah, I just have to wonder if you can get him onto the practice squad, which I feel like is is his destiny right now. Um, but because, you know, there are other teams that are not this deep at receiver, you know, somebody might find a spot for him, especially if they have injuries. At the wide receiver position, there's there's something pretty cool about this guy. The way he high points the ball, his his field awareness, uh, he's really he's a smart player, and he knows, you know, he knows where to be. It looks like he's running really good routes. Again, we're seeing him, you know, for the most part, you know, with backups against backups. But there's something to him. There's definitely something to him worth investing some some more time and effort into.
1: That's what I'm saying, you might want to might want to hide him a little bit.
3: Sunday yeah, <laughs> right. Not if Case Keenum, Keenum's throwing the ball. I mean, Case Keenum has shown, I know he had a bad interception. He, he clearly had a tough time throwing high to very tall tight ends today because even that defensive pass interference was not a great pass. But aside from that, I mean, Case Keenum's really been the clear difference uh, for the Browns in these preseason games. You have a competent quarterback who can run an offense and move a team down the field. It can make people look good
1: all right I think you guys covered most of the takeaways I would want to grab so I, I just want to say going back to that interior of the D line I thought it was really good to see uh, Malik McDowell dominate in the fourth quarter of a preseason game like Malik McDowell should be the best player on the field in the fourth quarter of a preseason game and he had those back to back plays where he looked really good I was dealing with the rib injury I, you know, I saw they were taping it up uh, pretty heavily during practice the other day uh, but to see him out there and, and kind of dominating a little bit again, Ellis, it's it's just one of those tough decisions they're going to have to make. I, I mean, he's trying to kind of save his football career. He's never even been on an NFL field in yeah. a real game. So, yeah, uh, you know, he did what he's supposed to do late in the preseason game.
0: Yeah. And, and Mary Kay said it, they, they are so deep at, at nose tackle in the interior there and for, it's built that way. They wanted to remodel this, this interior and they, they've done so. And, you know, you can, keep guys fresh and roll it almost like a a hockey line, if you will. But again, it's, it's just a lot of, you know, C plus B minus production. And you're going to have to make, I don't know if Scott likes calling them tough decisions, but you're going to have to make (laughs) a tough decision on who those guys are going to be, because like we're saying, they need interior pressure for this D line to maximize itself. Like we we know exactly what miles and Jadaven are going to provide but they just did not have enough inside push a year ago. And that needs to change this year for the Browns to win with rushing four, as we expect them to want to do comfortably. And it's games like this. you have those flash moments. The coaches don't forget about that stuff. That's that's on cut day. That's that's going to matter. It's going to matter a lot.
2: One, one of the other things to, to remember now is they're using the same IR rules they had last year uh, amid the pandemic. So they're going to have to use, yeah. The IR very, very creatively. I mean, you can really do a lot of different things when you can throw some guys on IR uh, for a minimum of, of you know, three weeks and figure out how to keep guys that way. It, it really lends itself to not losing some of these good developmental players.
3: Right. Yeah, we're all going to make a big deal about that. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, we're, we're all going to make a big deal about the initial 53, and we 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 know that it changes you know over the course of the next couple of days, but. I think the way the position groups break down as far as the numbers for each, I mean, it could look drastically different from that week one to like, like maybe week four or five, when, when guys who are starting this year, you know, off injured uh, come back and it could, you know, they might have more defensive tackles at the beginning, because maybe they want more of a look at some of those guys and they know that they can, they can afford to keep them because, you know, they have injuries at other, other spots where they're just not going to have as many people. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's just you got to get guys through waivers. But once you do that, you can put them on IR for three weeks. So like Anthony Schwartz, right? You probably have to put him on the initial 53, but then you can IR him and maybe use his spot for something else. Um, There's a lot of different things that they can do uh, once they kind of get through that. And I think next week, for as little as we're going to see next week, I I don't think they're going to go too crazy. It it will be interesting if there's a few kind of surprise guys that don't get on the field. To kind of get your attention and say, okay, they must really like that guy, and they must not. Again, it's the only, there might be one other game going on at the same time, but if somebody has a big game that night, everybody in the NFL world is going to see it.
0: Yep. Do we think we're going to get the starters next Sunday for this last preseason game, or who knows? Not unless no, somebody
1: starts a start fight.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, Why would you get to this point? Right. Your overarching whole theme of training camp has been, keep these guys healthy. Could you imagine if they trot? you know, Baker out there for a series and, and something happens or, or any of these guys, really. I think they've made it this far. No way uh, should they play the starters in the final preseason game. Uh, just get through it, get get it over with, and then, you know, work on game planning for the Kansas City Chiefs the minute you get home from that game.
1: Hey, Real quick before we go, can I just ask you guys your thoughts on, on the Troy Hill thing? Kevin didn't say I mean, he didn't come out and say that it was punishment for the the post-practice fight, but he also didn't come out and say that it wasn't. There were a lot of things he could have said that would have made it sound like it wasn't. Um, Was that the right thing to do? I mean, what are we saying if Troy Hill would have come up with like a, a hamstring or a shoulder or something like that?
2: I think it was the right thing to do. I think he needed to send a message. They made it through those two full days. It was the number one priority take care of yourselves. I mean, what if, what if Troy Hill, what if they had come to blows the way that they almost did? And then you lose your starting nickel cornerback for the first quarter of the season. I mean, there's just no way. So I think, I think he sent the message. I think it was the right thing to do. I think it was the right amount of time and uh, he got his point across and got out of it. So I was cool with it.
0: Yeah. With, with hindsight now, I'll say I'm cool with it, but had that been, Troy Hill's groin instead of Greedy Williams this looks a lot different and I'll end it by saying just from a disciplinary standpoint the former player in me would rather rock with a guy like Joe Judge who's just going to put you on the line and have you start running rather than you know getting all cute and making you play games you don't want to be out there for anyway which is then kind of hypocritical on the fact that hey we just need everyone to stay healthy but now you're putting me in harm's way it's a little strange but everyone got out fine it's it's no big deal but I think you just run run players in that situation yeah
3: I don't understand that as a punishment uh, playing him but I think uh, it's easy to maybe justify because of the injuries they have behind him and the lack of depth they have behind him and he might have gone in the game anyways when you know for some snaps because Greedy got hurt so I, I just – yeah, it is a curious punishment. I don't – there are better ways to deal with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're kind of making the assumption that, that that's what it was. Like I said, Kevin didn't say it was, but he also didn't say it wasn't. It was one of those mm-hmm. we're kind of going off the omission here uh, more than anything. I, I actually mentioned this to somebody um, in, in the press box here when we when it came up. And I, I'll never forget, after the Browns beat the Bengals, they put out that video last week. They put out that locker room video where it was like, okay, if you guys – have a good week of work and do what you're supposed to do against the Raiders. I'll take care of you during the bye week, and then the Browns just laid the egg of all eggs against the Raiders. And Kevin made him practice one, like every single day you're allowed to under the CBA up until that yeah. bye week kicks in. And so <laughs> that that kind of made me think, all right, he's pretty even keel, but he's got a little bit of uh, of an edge to him, and he's not gonna he, he's gonna send messages to guys when he has to. So, and I think this might be another case of that. Yeah. You
2: have to do that. I mean, you have to do that. You have to establish that that you're in charge and that there are a set of rules and that you're going to be accountable. And right. if you're going to ask guys to be accountable, then you have to follow through with your consequences, right? Most of us are parents here. We all know that's rule number one. You have to follow through on those consequences. I was never really very good at it, by the way, but <laughs> you're supposed to do that. In theory, you're supposed to follow through and, and I think that's what he was doing here. And it also sets the tone for sort of discipline moving forward. You know, they want these guys to behave a certain way on and off the field. And that just wasn't part of it. And I think if it wasn't like a little something, he, he probably just would have said, no, that had nothing to do with it. You know, the, like you said, the fact that he didn't answer it is all we need to know. Yeah. And it's
0: important to note that Troy Hill's on his first year with this team, right? You know, he's coming in. To a locker room. it's probably, like you said, Mary Kay set the tone and now gets him in line.
1: All right, Ellis, don't go missing curfew on us. <laughs> <laughs> come down hard on you here on the, the Origin Brown Talk podcast if you do. Uh, we're going to take a cue from Kevin Stefanski.
0: <laughs> I can still do some spray.
1: <laughs> All right, there we go. Browns winners in their second preseason game, 17 13. Uh, I think we covered everything. So for Mary Kay, Scott, and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.